Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper on AFR Talk. When you hear about missions, uh, you have to think of purpose. And uh, that's what Exploring Missions is about, giving us the purpose that God's given us to take the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. So welcome to this program today, and we pray that it will be a blessing to you. Our co-host, as usual, is Nathan Harper. Nathan, uh, missions is a vital part of, well, I I think I understated that. Uh, (laughs) Missions is the heart of the gospel that we're carrying to all the world. Uh, I heard a sermon about how bad globalism is, except in one way, and that is the mission. We have a global mission, don't we? We do. It's uh, it's God's heart, you know, reflected in his word, and hopefully his church is carrying out his commands, uh, you know, to make disciples of all the nations. Uh, one of the things we like to do on our program here from time to time is introduce people to uh, missionaries and leaders in in mission, um, some you know from the distant past, and then some from the more recent, uh, up-to-date times. Uh, one of those, um, and we've actually mentioned him before uh, on a previous episode, was George Patterson, and we talked about how George Patterson has influenced missions, modern missions, up to this current day, um, maybe as much or more than most any other person uh, living. Well, he actually. Uh, as the time of this recording, just uh, less than a week ago, passed away. So George Patterson uh, spent over 20 years in missions in Central America, um, and he had a great impact, especially in the country of Honduras, uh, multiplying churches and disciples there. But more than that, he mentored hundreds and hundreds of missionaries who are currently serving around the world today, uh, and they've utilized his teaching and his uh, model uh, for for mission, and you're seeing movements of churches being planted, disciples being made uh, by the thousands. I would even, you know, guess into the millions of new believers in the last 20 years because of the influence of, of George Patterson. And he's gone on to hear, you know, Jesus telling, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, I love that because Honduras is the first uh, foreign mission trip that I ever made was to Honduras, and it impacted my life. And so I think, and if I remember right, the missionaries that I was working with even then was using some of those models of planting churches. So here I have. I've been influenced by him. There's no telling how many people have. Yeah, I mean, two of the things he's most well known for are the idea of uh, theological education by extension. In other words, uh, leading, uh, taking leaders in the church, pastors and just church leaders, training them where they are in their own cultural context without having to extract them from their communities where they go into the big city and, and spend years and years in a seminary that they necessarily couldn't afford. Uh, in other words, he took the training to them. 
and uh, really activated the priesthood of all believers uh, to where you know ordinary average people could could go and and live on mission where they were. And the other thing he's well known for are what we've talked about here on this program before the seven commands of Christ. And he's developed uh, you know just the idea of a new believer needs to basically understand how to obediently follow Jesus. You know, so obedience-based discipleship is what the idea behind that is. Uh, we like knowledge-based discipleship. We'll talk more about this uh, later today. But for now, we want to just let you hear the joy, the laughter, um, just the, the passion in this, in this brother's voice uh, from an interview done a few years ago uh, between uh, George Patterson, who we're talking about, but also, uh, George Robinson is the man who's conducting the interview. George Robinson is a uh, missions pastor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. So listen to this video, and uh, you'll hear the audio portion of that, and uh, we'll come back with you later. One of the things that uh, you're well known for in uh, missionary circles is uh, this, uh, this teaching known as the seven basic commands of Jesus, and in particular, um, obedience-based education. Can you uh, very briefly uh, give us an overview of uh, how you uh, came about uh, understanding uh, to teach and make disciples that way and then, <laughs> and then what that looks like? Well, actually, to my shame, it came about by my attempts at self-defense. <laughs> okay. um, when we started training people by extension, elders, so many of them were just barely literate, some we had to teach to read. And um, the city pastors that we had trained in Bible Institute, and all of them whom went to the city from the country, but anyway, they, um, they resented those other men becoming pastors and baptizing, celebrating the Lord's Supper that had not jumped through the hoops, they had jumped through and made the same sacrifices. So they attacked them and kept telling them that uh, they, they were not properly ordained because they didn't have the credentials and, and the, by the bylaws of the denomination had no right to baptize, celebrate the Lord's Supper. And this, thus they were forcing, compelling these churches to disobey Christ. Uh, this was causing a huge problem and it was discouraging our new pastors that could not get the credentials that our constitution and bylaws of the denomination required for them to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So, <clears throat> I was just stubborn enough to tell them, look, when you just tell those people we're going to obey Jesus, and they come away from the bylaws in your face, you tell them, well, I'm obeying Jesus. Do you prefer that I obey you instead? Because we can't do both. Whether you're going to obey Jesus or you, we cannot obey both. And, and they, uh, that worked. And they found that that helped. But then that rose the question, we say we're obeying Jesus, but we're not quite all that sure what His commands are to obey. It's awfully fuzzy, you know. We have different ways to interpreting these. Okay, we've got to spell it out. Let's get a list of the basic commands of Christ that everyone will agree to, and let's just, you know, get the monkey off our back. <clears throat> and so I was sogging through the jungle, literally, one day, muddy, it had been raining, and with Anibal, <laughs> a new pastor, feeling very bad. He was depressed because he was getting attacked by the more educated pastor. He just felt terrible, and so he went through my usual thing. Tell him, you're obeying Jesus. And he said, well, I want to, but still, that's foggy and fuzzy. What are Jesus' basic commands that I can teach my people? Okay, let's just figure out a list that 
we'll cover everything in a general way. And, well, we came up actually with those basic seven. By the time we reached his house, I was mentoring him, and it took us about two hours and uh, dialoguing. And we got there, and he, he said, this just raises a ton of weight off my back. So I went home and I went, well, are we on the right track? Do we have the right seven? And, or, you know, it doesn't even have to be seven. I wasn't aiming for a number. But I got out the Bible and started studying it, ended up in Acts chapter 2 and find, sure enough, that they were the seven we'd come up with, that they were obeying those 3,000 people who uh, were following Pentecost, a new believer in the Jerusalem church. Before that chapter is over, they were obeying the same seven basic commands. First one has to do is salvage and repent and believe and receive the Holy Spirit, you know, he's being born again by the Spirit. Okay, and then the next one, uh, confirm that with baptism. And then the Lord's Supper, then uh, love in all of its different facets, loving your neighbor, which would include mercy ministry. And then, of course, uh, even being a good citizen is one aspect of love that would include, you know, a host of things. And then uh, giving, prayer, of course, making disciples. Did I mention seven? <laughs> okay, but anyway, we, we, uh, we had them memorize them. One of the hundreds wrote a little song about them, make it easy to memorize. From then on, all our church, all our new leaders, that, that was their foundation. They started there. And we found God really blessed that. It was like night and day the difference. We found how we could a answer the traditionalists that were legalistic. Uh, put it, get them off our backs. Um, we're obeying these things, you know. When your church is obeying all these, and you, you think we're not, then you come and, and criticize us. But until then, I don't want to listen to all these petty things that you're saying that have nothing to do with what Christ commanded. It's just wasting our time. It did solve the problem, and then it solved the same problem for many other ministries, and it made church planning so much easier. Just get any group of people in any context, any culture, teach and obey Jesus out of love, and you've got a church. It's that simple. You don't have to worry about money or budgets or anything else. Just obey Jesus. You're listening to Exploring Missions, uh, Bert and Nathan Harper, and Nathan, again, tell everyone who that was. Yeah, that was George Patterson, a missionary in Honduras for over 20 years, but also a missionary mentor to hundreds of uh, church planters and missionaries around the world. And he was discussing there uh, in the audio that you heard the seven commands of Christ, how that kind of uh, was formulated. And one thing to note is that it came out of the context of ministry and mission. Um, and, you know, it was biblical, so it was already there in the Bible, but the, uh, the, the putting into practice of it uh, came out of that local context. And when you hear him, <laughs> uh, you introduced it to hear his uh, laughter, his spirit. Uh, no wonder he was, just obey Jesus. I mean, that's the bottom line. And uh, so we appreciate you letting us hear that. That was a blessing to hear. Well, are we going to look at those seven? He kind of gave us a, a, a airplane view. Yeah. Well, we've, we've uh, looked at those before. What I really wanted to do was kind of uh, take off from what I mentioned about let, letting your local context um, kind of serve as as the parameters for uh, between that and, and what the Bible says, uh, how you go about doing ministry uh, in, in your area, uh, specifically looking at that in a small group kind of idea. So basically, how do you 
make a small group missional? You know, how do we take a small group, a Sunday school class, and make sure it's focused on the right things, specifically obeying Jesus, uh, what the Bible says, uh, where there's love, uh, but also that outward outreach focus of uh, not forgetting that there's a world out there that needs to know Jesus. So, You mean you're telling me that Sunday school class uh, needs to be missional? Well, I think so, yes. Wow, yeah. what a novel concept. And um, not just any Sunday school class, but any any small group, any kind of grouping of Christians, whether it's you know small, medium, or large. Um, and, and just to be honest, the smaller, the easier it is to, to, to make that happen. Um, but, um, yeah, it needs to, needs to have that component. Um, if you want to look real quick in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read a couple of uh, passages. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Um, just read that for us, and we'll see what there is there. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Okay. So the very first um, clause, the very first half of that sentence, there were a couple things that were kind of big, big, uh, I guess you could say bookmarks um, for the early church there in Jerusalem. It was, um, what was the first one, the the apostles' teaching? Yes, that's it. All right. So we can, we can kind of, for us, we can say, you know, biblical teaching, right? And what was the next thing? Fellowship. Fellowship. So we could even say biblical fellowship. Yeah. My, my professor at Blue Mountain College said a definition of fellowship is two fellows in the same ship going the same <laughs> yeah. direction. Okay. And uh, that, there's a lot of bit that you got to have. If you have fellowship, you better have purpose. But anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thinking about those two dimensions, okay, and really when we're talking about making Sunday school or making your small group missional, um, we're talking about making it three-dimensional. Because right now we're looking at the first two dimensions, which would be, you know, Bible teaching and Bible fellowship. Um, so think about the Sunday school classes that you've been a part of, that you have attended, that you know of, uh, the small groups, whatever you want to call them. Um, they tend to lean uh, one way or the other on that scale. If you were to put a point on a line at one end, call it biblical teaching and then put a point on the opposite line and call it biblical fellowship. They're both biblical, so we're not talking about doing things that are wrong or outside of God's co- Word. They shouldn't compete. They should complement, right? Exactly, yeah. And and honestly, usually the more balanced, the better. But it's okay to have a lean to one side or the other. And, and I've been in small groups that lean toward the fellowship side. And, you know, it's where people are bringing food every, every time you meet and, um, you know, a lot of laughter, a lot of... Uh, stories being told, a lot of fun. That's a that's a wonderful thing. God wants that for his his body. Um, and I've also been a part of some Sunday school classes, small groups that lean toward the teaching side. And instead of like bringing food and donuts and stuff, people are bringing notebooks and <laughs> and pens, right? And uh, and you might have a, a a lead teacher, someone who is you know downloading information at a pretty rapid rate. And so that's great too. Um, I've, I've been a part of both and enjoyed both of those. And it's okay to have a lean toward that. Uh, you don't want to go too far to where, and I've, I've seen this before, where the Bible fellowship leans too far away from the teaching and you just have a social club, right? Um, and it, it, it can actually be very inward focused to where 
you have you know a small group of people. Let's say you have ten people in a group. Well, guess how many chairs are, are sitting there in a circle? Just the ten. Just the ten, and they mm-hmm. might even all have their. Uh, and I'm not picking on a certain group of people here, but I've seen these groups where they'll have their own little cushions with their names stitched on top of it. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, where does a, a new person come and sit? And you know what? They haven't had a new person in, in decades. And nobody ever better use their room for anything else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that that becomes unhealthy, right? It and, is. And unbiblical in a lot of ways. Uh, but even the Bible teaching, uh, devoid of fellowship, can be unhealthy as well, uh, where it's just a information uh, download and all you do is you think you're following Jesus by showing up to this class and taking notes and filling in blanks. Well, that's not discipleship. They're you sponges, know, as yeah, I call it. They're yeah. just sponges. And discipleship is really about obedience. It's not knowledge-based. It's obedience-based. Is knowledge a part of it? Absolutely. But it's supposed to be enacted and lived out. And it's also supposed to be lived out and enacted within a community um, where there's love as the basis of that. So we can get unhealthy and unbiblical if we lean too far on that scale between biblical teaching and biblical fellowship. But think about that. If you have those two points and a line, what, what is that line? What is the shape of that line? Well, it's flat. Well, what else is, has a flat line? Death. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that your group or your church is dead, but... You're leaning toward death, and you will end up with a dead group if you don't add this third dimension. Uh, Let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Okay. So we're talking about addition here. Later in Acts, it it starts building on that addition, and, and it talks about multiplication. But simply what we want to focus on is just the biblical mission, biblical outreach. Um, if you take teaching and you take fellowship as good and biblical as those are, and you leave them alone, it becomes inward focused. You've got to have an outward focus. And it's interesting here in verse 47, not only do you get an outward focus about focused on other people outside of the group, you also have a focus on God, praising God. Uh, where it's upward also. So you have to have those three dimensions of upward, focused on God, inward, yes, what is God saying to us and what is he doing in us, through us, but then also outward, what is God doing out there in the world and how can he use us in that mission? Amen. Uh, That is so real. When you see that taking place in the early church, the words were, they multiplied, they added. Yeah. I mean. That's right. I wish... That should be, hopefully, that's what they're doing. It may not be as big because the population in Jerusalem was big at that time. Right. They would go to Rome, Ephesus, big. But you had little Colossi, too, you know? Yeah. Uh, So the gospel went to all sizes and all the areas all over the Roman Empire. Right. The the total number is not the important thing. The important thing is that there's there's movement and there's growth and, and there's health. And so, you know... Without that missing third dimension, you're, you're going to have unhealth. You're gonna, it might feel good for a while. It might look good, and, and it might be good for a, a while. But eventually, it becomes a flat line. And you want to add that third dimension of, of outreach and, and mission and focused uh, on who has not heard the gospel of Jesus yet. Um, 
You know, so one way to think about this, I mean, just biblical foundation, is think about the great command, the great commission. You know, the great command in Matthew chapter 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. See that outward social dimension there. Um, And even Jesus is simply quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, the great Shema, where it says the same words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And, and then it goes on to talk about how parents should train up the next generation. Um, at the very end of that passage, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, you know, it says, hey, look, there's informal teaching when you rise, when you lay down, when you walk around, right? Um, but then it says you will put these commands, uh, and, and the idea is not just to memorize commands. The idea is not just to um, take in information. It's to live it out in obedience, right. which is what you know what George Patterson you, was talking about. What did, you, what did you do with what that that you memorized? If you just memorized it and do anything with it, yeah, it's, all, it's still inward, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's puffing up the head and yeah. and uh, shrinking the muscles in your body, <laughs> and you can't move around. But um, you know, in Deuteronomy six, it says. Uh, put them on the uh, in the front of your forehead. Okay. In other words, these these words, God's word, His commands, should be deeply personal. But then it also says, uh, write them on the doorposts of your house, of your dwelling place. Um, in other words, like when someone walks up to your house, they see an invitation. To, to live this sort of life, right? And so it's, it's an um, intentionally public also um, way of living. So there's always been from the very beginning um, that God has wanted his people to, yeah, have that inward dimension, that upward dimension, but also that outward dimension focused on other people who we can invite in to this life, who we can reach out to. When I hear that and see that your home uh, is missional, uh, where he put the children of Israel, uh, geographical, was missional. The whole idea of mission is from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And uh, today we're talking about your small group being a part of the Great Commission. And this is, again, exploring missions, Bert and Nathan. And Nathan has taken us through this small group dimension of making your group missional, purposeful. Yeah. So let me give us three real quick practical strategies of if you're a member of a small group or a Sunday school class, maybe you're a leader in it. Maybe you are just, you know, the average person sitting there uh, participating. Um, maybe maybe three practical things that we can do. So the first thing is simply to um, select a point person to uh, for each of these three dimensions. So you want biblical teaching. So you you need a it doesn't have to be one single person, but you need a someone who's kind of uh, leading the charge in bringing biblical teaching to the to the group. You need a teacher, right? At least one, um, and then you need someone, really, just practically speaking, someone who can lead biblical fellowship for the group. Someone who's you know maybe good at hospitality or can uh, organize um, functions and fun fellowship times and. Bring that element into each meeting, uh, someone that's kind of responsible for that. Well, you need a point person for someone also uh, responsible for the outreach and the uh, missional focus of of the group. And I think every group, you know, 
even if you just have three members in your group, well, there you go. There's your, <laughs> you got them. You just pick which one you want to do and, <laughs> yeah. and let the Lord lead you in that. But that's how you can really see your group grow, uh, not just numerically, but in a healthy biblical way as well. When you see that and hear that, Nathan, you uh, see that everybody has a part. Uh, Paul referred to the church as the body, each one having their own function. And here, even in a small group, there's functionality to to the group. Yeah. Let me me just make a quick point about that. Um, The size of your group does actually matter. Um, What is the appropriate number? Like what's what's too large for a for a Sunday school class? What's too large for a small group? Well, here's here I don't know a specific number, but it will be different for each group. But here's where it kind of comes down to it. What is the number where the last person that you added to the group will not participate? In other words, if you have ten people in your group and all ten are actively participating um, with their gifts with their personalities in a way that they're comfortable, right? You're not forcing people to, you know, do whatever you're, you're doing in your group, but they are, they want to. They're they're actively and happily participating. But sometimes you take that group of ten who is healthy, and you add a, a one other person. You got you got eleven now, and all of a sudden, two or three of the people start getting quiet and moving to the back of the room. Uh, there's you know just a, a group dynamic that can occur with a certain number. I don't know what that number is. It's different for each group. But if you already are in a group that's large enough to where not everybody's participating in a healthy and active way, you're too large. You've got a you've got a group that's too big. If one person is dominating all the conversation and there's not any sort of conversation happening, it's just a one-way um, lecture, if you will, that's not, it's not a healthy way. That's not how Jesus did things. You know, he taught, yes, but he taught in short little snippets, and there was a lot of interaction, a lot of dialogue and conversation that went along with it. Um, and then since we're at it, um, you want to you wanna also teach toward obedience. Uh, like George Patterson was talking about in our audio at the beginning, uh, not for information, it's for obedience. Um, and that's how Jesus did things. So going back to our practical steps, our second practical steps, and this is easier, you want to make a list, okay? Each person in your group should make a list of, um, it's what we call an oikos list, a uh, circle of influence, basically. Uh, you can list, you know, three or four of your friends, three or four of your relatives, your associates, and maybe even your physical neighbors next to you where you live. See how many of those you can come up with. If you had a list of 15 or 20, 25, that's great. That's a great list for each person to start with. How many of those are without a relationship with Jesus Christ. All right, and start, and this is the third step, is start praying for those on a regular basis. Every time you meet, you should have a list that each group is praying through, praying for, and then they start making plans about, hey, let's go talk to so-and-so, let's go talk to this person, let's go talk to my neighbor or my work associate, and share the good news of Jesus with them. Uh, But it starts with that mindset of not just upward focus, not just an inward focus, but we want to have an outward focus as well, even in our Sunday schools and small groups. Upward, inward, outward. That's kind of three-dimensional, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and that's what we're talking about. Today on Exploring Missions, we've talked about making your small group missional. I pray that's happening with your group, and I pray if you're not in a small group, you'll get in one and watch it happen. 
thank you for listening to Exploring Missions today. And our prayer is that God would use you in his great commission of bringing others to himself.